0: Hello and welcome to A Pant Cthulhu. Once again, we're going behind the bar with an in-depth conversation with a bag of snails. And no, I don't mean that literally. I mean the pseudonym of a bag of snails. Snails, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah,
1: hi. Uh, I'm Bag of Snails. I just go by snails. I'm a producer slash creature designer slash game designer and writer for Cthulhu Jumped. Uh, and I'm happy to be here today. And we're happy to have you.
0: Jay, would you like to kick off with our very first question? It tends to be a breaker.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, the first question is just, what do you think a Cthulhu would be as a pint? If you were to make a Cthulhu cocktail, a Cthulhu drink, what would it be?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, uh, my gut reaction is a dark stout. Uh, for Cthulhu because I feel like there's uh, a lot to the mythos these days um, because there's so many authors adding in um, their own takes and their own interesting interpretations of what Cthulhu is I think something like dark that you can really kind of chew on with a lot of complex flavors um, I think that would be the the ideal Cthulhu drink for me Damn, that's (laughs) in-depth
2: My base answer always ends up being absent.
1: (laughs) You know what, that's very fair. Uh, I tend to go
0: for a mead.
2: uh, You're a sitcom mead at the moment, though, Matt.
0: Yeah. So, tell us a bit about yourself. Your, kind of like, your inspirations for what you do. A bit of your day-to-day, if you will.
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, I'm actually terrible at this question, uh, because the things about myself that I find... uh, interesting or quite boring and the things that other people find interesting about me i think is are, are very boring so um i i would have to say i draw a lot of inspiration from uh from my life uh for like eldritch horror and uh like just kind of creature and monster design in general um just because i <laughs> i i f- am fascinated by things that do not appear as they are Um, so, uh, anytime I can take something and subvert it into the unexpected, uh, I just, I'm I'm very fascinated by that. Um, and a lot of that comes from my own, uh, like, life experiences, and just thinking things are one way and then discovering that, oh, no, no, uh, they are not that way. Like, you wouldn't necessarily think, for example, that, like, discovering Santa Claus isn't real would be a source of inspiration for, like, cosmic horror. Um, but in a weird way, it can be because that emotion, um, that moment of, like, realizing nothing is what you think that it is, uh, is something I try and capture in a lot of what I do in Cthulhu Dreamt or Not.
2: Makes sense. Mm. You never really think about it, but for a kid, that's just discovering that everyone's been a secret conspiracy to lie to you your whole life.
1: Exactly, right? It's also the moment you discover that, like, magic isn't real, right? Because magic's the only way that it makes sense that Santa Claus can just, like, deliver everything. So, like, discovering that, like, oh, the world isn't the way that I thought that it was. I had all of these concrete beliefs, um, and now I've discovered that everything is 100% different. I mean, it screams Cthulhu to me.
2: There's a lot of things we do to kids that would send an adult absolutely bonkers as well
1: it's true um it's it's very it's interesting um because a lot of the the lies that we tell uh children or ourselves i think um are ripe for uh being translated into a uh, a more corporeal form in the in the form of video games and ttrpgs so um one of my favorite things to do is to like think of those those moments and then try and figure out how i turn it into a creature and i would have to say that that's probably my favorite thing that i do um on like a day-to-day basis wow (laughs) um so
0: what exactly is it that you do at action fiction
1: oh lord um i use i've started using the moniker of producer um because it um, it really does des- describe what I do in that, like my job is to get things done. Um, if we have an idea or we have something that we want to uh, have happen, um, like I I figure it out. I may not necessarily do the thing; I may delegate it to somebody else, but like I make sure it gets done. So a great example is we're working on a comic book for Cthulhu Dreamt, um, and like I didn't do the art for it and I didn't write the story. But I developed the plot for it, I found the, the author, I found the artist, um, and, like, I'm making sure that, like, the artist has what they need to get things done, the author uh, had everything they needed to get done, I make sure that it stays uh, consistent with the tone and the, uh, the overall narrative of everything else. So I kind of have my—my my job is to have my, my hands in as many pies as possible and make sure they all taste uh, if not the same, similar.
2: Yeah, I had noticed that. I've seen a couple of, like, PTRPG Kickstarters, and what struck me, with, struck me with a lot of them was mm-hmm. that the arts mm-hmm. might be nice, but some of them are really inconsistent. Like, completely different styles, mm-hmm. completely different qualities all around the place, and the fully drunk, not like that. It's all on the same page. It's all very cohesive.
1: Yes, uh, that... <laughs> my first my first gig for action fiction was as a writer uh for their monsters of america content uh for restaurants and retail um and through that i wound up becoming the art director for that book as well and one of the big things that we wanted was to make sure that the art was as consistent as possible um and so i took that what i learned there into my next couple of projects uh cryptid chronicles and uh um chromatic gamut and so i've been able to apply what i've learned from those projects into this one and we spent oh lord probably the first year of like production on cthulhu Dreamt was for me personally was just figuring out what the art style was going to be and how to make it as consistent as possible um even our our more illustrated pieces that have color and stuff like we have an in book reason for like why they break away from the sketch um but they still keep kind of like the same overall vibe of things right um and for me that's always been very important um, uh, even when i was first starting out is is because i did notice that same thing where it was A lot of TTRPG Kickstarters, they just, they get a bunch of artists and they have them do their thing, and that's fine. Um, It's a totally fine way of doing things, but when you look at, like, the big names, like Watsy or uh, Paizo, um, or even um, Mont Cook, and, like, the stuff that he does, it's all so consistent throughout. It tells a narrative, um, and that's one of the things that I noticed um, in kind of looking at those books, is, like, the narratives that they would tell in different pages, like... Um, if you open up your your dnd player's handbook to like the barbarian class for example like that image it tells a story and so does every single uh class artwork thing they all tell a story and when you take them all together you kind of get like an overall idea of kind of what the world of dungeons and dragons is like and so um i really really wanted to make sure that we brought that level of quality into Cthulhu Dreamt, um, so that way all of the art tells a story, and as you're kind of, like, going through and looking at it, you get an idea of what the world is like through the eyes of um, these people.
0: Hmm.
2: Well, i it definitely succeeded with keeping it all kind of neat and together.
0: Yeah, the art style, I must admit, is amazing. It does have that very eldritch and mysterious look to it, and yet it, everything flows so nicely from what we can see so far.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. It means, that <laughs> it means all the work that I spent getting the, the style consistent was, uh, was very worth it. It was an interesting challenge, for sure, um, because we already had an art style for America. Getting to develop one from the ground up was uh, a challenge, but a fun one. Hmm. Did you
2: have any specific um, inspirations as far as what you're going for other than Lovecraft himself
1: um yeah actually um I wanted to incorporate uh certain elements of like Junji Ito um which uh obviously like we are not an anime styled book at all but he has a certain quality um to his line work as well as like uh how detailed he gets with his creatures that I wanted to incorporate um they're also just, like, scientific journals in general. Um, when I was a lot younger, uh, I saw a documentary on Shackleton and, like, his, his like, journey um, across—trying uh, to cross uh, the Arctic— um, and, like, some of the notes that he took there, as well as other, like, old explorers who, like, were charting waters and, like, seeing new things for the first time. Charles Darwin, weirdly, was something of an inspiration, um, just because of, like, the different, like, sketches that he took. Um, and then, like, more contemporary, uh, for, like, aesthetic, I, there was a lot of inspiration from, like, Starship Troopers and... It um, was a good film. Oh, excellent film. Um uh, and uh even though I haven't seen the franchise, uh I've always appreciated the art in Aliens, uh like the Aliens oh, yeah. franchise. Um But you s- haven't seen those? I have only seen one film. Um I have seen Aliens Resurrection and I've seen it four or five times uh against my will. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> uh, but I have heard wonderful things. I've got a group of friends, um, and we're we're trying to get together so that way we can sit down and we can watch like the first two aliens films. Um, because like, how can I (laughs) how can I continue going on without actually, like, watching one of the grades of horror Um
2: I will say that with the first one it kind of has had a bit of a Jaws effect where you can tell it was meant to be horror and it still kind of comes across like that but, you know, it has aged
1: Hmm That's one of the things that I'm very much looking forward to, actually um, is seeing, like um it's like when you watch the thing or it like the the older uh versions of those films um seeing like something that was scary in the uh, like the public conscience for so long that isn't necessarily scary by our standards now um and trying to put yourself in that headspace where like it is scary is a lot of fun to me so i am looking forward to uh I am looking forward to that that part of it as well. Also, because there's so much practical effects, and I'm a practical effects geek when it comes to films.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think drawing from, uh, I'm going to probably mispronounce it, Junji Ito, Ito, Mm
1: -hmm. from
2: him, is really great as an idea for this type of game. Because if you look at his stuff, yeah, it's horror, but it's... It's taking something that should be comical, because it's so weird, like that one he did with the shark with the spider
1: legs. (laughs) Yes, yes. But
2: reading it as horror that balances really well between, like, the whole Lovecraftian, serious, eldritch, and the comedy that a TTRPG can quickly dissolve into.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I firmly believe, and I've said it before, that uh, comedy and horror are two sides of the same coin, uh, because what makes something funny is the same thing that makes something scary, and that's the subversion of expectations, right? So, in a lot of cases, it's just a matter of extremes. Like um, something going too far can be funny or it can be scary. Uh, so, uh, yes, I think that's one of the things that I love about Ito's work, um, Uzumaki in particular. There's a lot of scenes where, uh, when you when you <laughs> when you try and pull away from it, it's like. It's funny to think about everything turning into spirals, uh, and like all of these people like having these weird things happening to them, but when you zoom in and you look closer at like what he's done with his artwork, it gets more and more terrifying. Um, and that's another thing that I, I really tried to bring into the art for Cthulhu Dreamt, uh, was, at a glance, it's fine. But the more you look at it, the more uncomfortable you get. And that's a fine line to walk, because... Um, as, as we were, like, discussing how to design the book, I was talking with, uh, Jaren and Reed, um, the, the other co-leads on the project, and I was like, I want people to be uncomfortable when they look at the book, but I don't want the book to be hard to read, um. so because you need as the facilitator for example you need to be able to sit down and read the monster stat blocks and the lore and all of that jazz and as a player you need to be able to sit down and read like how you make your character and what your options are but at the same time i still don't want it to be a boring dry experience like it should be a little kind of creepy to make your character in my mind uh, and we're still nailing that balance down but i think we're getting close
0: i must admit i had to google who you guys were talking about because i had no idea just then <laughs> so and what i'm gonna ask you is um out of everything what would you say is your kind of favorite thing about this project and what also is your least kind of favorite thing
1: favorite thing um i think so far my favorite thing has been seeing the comic book come to life uh because ever since i was a kid i wanted to to work in comics um you know i <laughs> went like my mother got me a, a how to draw marvel superheroes book when i was like really young um and then like a drawing table uh when i was a little bit older because i loved comic books uh, didn't have a lot of money for them so i would read them until they would fall apart uh <laughs> so that one's like a bit of a bucket list item for me uh so that one would probably be my favorite uh <laughs> my least favorite would probably be uh all of the math that i have to do for the ARG um uh, which i'm also in charge of so uh, i have been following that <laughs> i love i love the ARG i think it's really cool but uh you know encoding uh messages um and like developing new codes and ciphers is a lot of fun until you have to do math, and <laughs> it's a little bit less fun. Uh, but I still, I still really enjoy it. But that would probably be my least favorite thing: is the math.
0: I take it you encoded the uh, YouTube URL.
1: Uh, yeah, everything to do with the i J I've done. So uh, with the exception of the videos on Fable Factory, uh, Reed handles our our musical ciphers um, and like. Our, our fancy videos, and then everything else is me.
2: Hmm. There's a lot of fun to be had with kind of like the mystery and, you know, the hidden elements kind of deal with Lovecrafts for Cthulhu-inspired stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I will admit, one of the first things we ran into was kind of like the worst side of having or playing a game based off of Cthulhu because we're doing Call of Cthulhu as our first game on the podcast. And I think the first one we ran into was like based on the asylum and it came before the kind of not great things Lovecraft wrote about baked into the game.
1: Yeah that is that is a challenge um, is divorcing some of the less savory opinions of the creator from the content itself um, but I think a lot of the the newer authors and like even some of the older authors who are kind of like um, some of their newer work is getting better at kind of like Taking some of those problematic themes out, right? Because um, <laughs> when we look at his work, uh, I mean, I'm just going to say it. Like, he's a racist, right? So. Oh, well, yeah. Have you
2: ever looked up <laughs> his cat's name?
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, so.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: Uh, he's racist. He's ableist. Uh, he has not great opinions about uh, people who are different mm-hmm. than him. And he's not very smart. Like, when we look at Lovecraft and, like,. Um, one of my favorite stories is the color out of space because I love the idea of just like looking at something being oh yeah uh, like enough to infect you but like the science behind the thing is not <laughs> it's not super great so um it's uh, that that is something that like in in our project that we're really working to avoid is kind of falling into some of those pitfalls um of working within the genre and like Having a problematic creator as like the source of inspiration, um so it's part of why like we don't have a built in madness system for the game um but we do have mental stress um as like a thing so like um we we had a long conversation about like do we do we include madness like every Cthulhu game includes. Madness and sanity and all this stuff and we inevitably we just came up with a decision that this is not the place to have that conversation. What we want is for people to go on a journey um, and experience like wonderful and terrifying things um, and like get scared, obviously, but also like question uh, like really like come down and like experience stuff that makes them question like preconceptions um and incorporating a system of like going insane um and doing it in such a way that is um sensitive to affected communities and uh educated and not in and not like just full of harmful stereotypes um is incredibly difficult um like like a very difficult undertaking and not really like the place to do it in this book you know what i mean
2: yeah for me it was a lot of Lovecraft's work is like very obviously mired and some not great stuff. There's a lot of it that you don't need to go looking. It's in front of you. It's right there. Mm. But one of the things that's a theme that's prevalent for who, his work, I'm not entirely sure how you would work around, is that whole... How do I say it? That kind of general theme in his work where... intermixing different races is... Like that's half his monster manual, sort of.
1: Thing. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah, yes. So the 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 short version of that is we don't really <laughs> we don't really have that in as a theme. Um, we have one of the unlockable specialties that you can play as is for when when our Kickstarter comes back uh, is the experiment, which is somebody who has been um changed and altered by um eldritch forces in such a way that like you now begin to kind of somewhat question like where does humanity and and where does like um uh and where does like monstrosity or the other begin but like that's probably as close as we get to like the intermixing of things. We do have the brainchild, uh, but they're more of, like, uh, an invasive parasite, um, than, like, any kind of, uh, mixing or whatnot.
2: Yeah, and I saw from on the Kickstarter that you are gonna switch it, like, uh, what is it? Condemn things like corporations and stuff. I think yeah. that's really neat to kind of switch whatever, Where the general focus is on Lovecraft stuff somewhere a bit more relevant in the modern day.
1: Absolutely. Uh when we were designing Salian Wealth, uh one of the things um that we wanted to try and keep in mind is like we were like when we're thinking about them, we try and think of them as like Amazon but more evil. <laughs> so <laughs> like You can uh, do that? <laughs> I listen, it was a stretch,
2: but <laughs> I think we managed to make it work. Excited to see it then. Absolutely. Definitely.
0: So going back to more kind of game-based things do you have favorite rpgs tabletop rpgs that you've played that you've kind of also used for as inspiration
1: um yeah absolutely um i think it's a little weird because for this project specifically um because we're trying because it's a unique system um uh, and one that was developed in house um in a lot of ways in the design i tried to take anti-inspiration if that makes sense um i i looked at like dungeons and dragons for example is the ttrpg that got me into ttrpgs i started back in uh third edition in high school and i've played every edition since um and like um let's see pathfinder i played a little bit of that i've I, and i really enjoyed it i've played um you know a couple dozen different indie games Um, actually one that i really enjoy that i shout out every time i get the opportunity is uh legend of zelda reclaim the wild it's a fan-made legend of zelda ttrpg that's kind of in the vein of breath of the wild and it's so much fun um and like really captures like the video game experience of like running around and crafting and exploring and i felt like uh they did a great job with that and that so that one definitely stands up as a as a favorite also like uh automata game of automated fear um is another tiny little indie game uh that i thought was great because it uh it's the only ttrpg i've played where the dungeon master or the game master is actually the opponent of the players um and so like you're telling a narrative story but you're also trying to defeat the players in kind of like a game uh because the whole theme is is uh robots are replacing everybody um and so you're trying to replace the players with your robots um to, like, kind of uh, continue a conspiracy. But uh, in in taking my inspiration from those places, I tried to do what none of them do um, in my design elements, uh, which is impossible to do perfectly. Um, so there's definitely places where things bleed through. Like, um, But uh, I would say, especially in the monster design, uh, you definitely see... A bigger difference in in how we approach monsters um than you'll see in things like dungeons and dragons or pathfinder um the player is a lot more involved in the action so um we have for example uh the parasite and that's s-i-g-h-t um is a massive flying monster um uh, That one of our like larger creatures that you can kind of run into, and if you decide to please tell
2: me it's covered in eyeballs.
1: It has no eyes. Oh,
2: what? what? Yes.
1: (laughs) Um. So, the when you're fighting it, you'll discover that it's like it's if you decide to fight it. That is, um, it's very difficult to like land blows um, and all these other things. And the reason that is is because the player is meant to close their eyes when they go to, like, Ooh, roll their dice. Yes, spoilers. Um, so, the, uh, it's very easy to figure out. Like, um, th- this is probably, like, our easiest one. Uh, like, our, uh, you won't see this one in the actual plays yet, uh, because we're still designing it for, uh, like, the mechanics for online games. Um, but, like, the player has to do something physical in order to actually influence the fight and kind of figure it out so um all of our creatures we try and design around the player being actively involved in the combat or the puzzle or the um the obstacle it is that they have to overcome
2: that's definitely a unique take on it uh how would that translate so much to digital play though if it's the player's physically doing stuff
1: yeah. That is that is the challenge that we're currently trying to overcome. Um so um for the parasite as our example, um we are currently playing with having um uh, someone else roll for the person. Um we also have a couple of other things that we're testing out. Um just to make sure that they're fun. Cuz it like we want to do something different um and interesting uh but we also want to make sure that like it's fun. So it doesn't it doesn't matter if, if your game, in my opinion, it doesn't matter if your game is, like, uh, unique or different. Um, if nobody enjoys playing it, then it's not a very good game, is it?
2: Yeah, fair enough.
0: I've seen in the Kickstarter on a few other things, you have this game set up that if someone does decide on the day they can't join, you can go down a completely different tangent. How is it that you've managed to come up and work that into one story?
1: So, uh, (laughs) I think that one was really just born from the frustration that we all feel of trying to schedule a D&D game, Um, (laughs) and um, just sitting and brainstorming and thinking about, like, is there anything that we can do about that? Like, um, because it's such... Because Cthulhu Dreamt is a curated experience, um, somebody being missing from the party could drastically affect the way that you experience your playthrough. It's not like Dungeons and Dragons where like, oh, well the healer isn't here today, so it'll be a little bit tougher, but we'll be fine. It's like, well, no, if you're down your wrecker, for example, like there's entire pathways that might be closed off to you because you don't have that person. So trying to find a solution for that is where the side stories, um, really kind of spawned from. And the idea of the side stories is that you can, if somebody is missing, uh, you can just play a game, like an entirely like one-shot, uh, isolated narrative at, with pre-generated characters where you get to explore an entirely different aspect of the world of Cthulhu Dreamt. So for the, uh, the main narrative, um, you're just regular people. Um, And like you'll create your characters and all that. But for a side story, you might be edge troopers, like these kind of super soldiers with like the latest and greatest technology, like fighting um, traces that are beyond human comprehension. Or you might be the police uh, in uh, another city trying to calm a riot and not really understanding what's going on. Or you could be researchers in the Antarctic uh, with something like trying to knock down the doors and figure out what's happening. And think they re- having, oh, sorry. No, no. Please go ahead.
2: I think having such a great opportunity for one shots is really nice because again, scheduling's hard. I know you were thinking of adding more side quests if you reach them as stretch goals. Are there any stretch goals in particular that you're super hyped about? Uh,
1: yeah. So, <laughs> um, the the stretch goal I'm the most excited for is pretty far down the way, but it is um. Uh, we print the comic book in physical format. Uh, and then anybody uh, who backs at a certain tier gets a copy of it, or it becomes an add-on. I'm not sure which we have. Um, I'd have to double-check that information. Uh, so being able to like hold a comic book in my hand that I helped make, uh, I think would be really dope. That would be one hell of an achievement. Oh yeah, I've already, <laughs> with Chromatic Gammon, I I managed to mark one bucket list item off off of my list and that was developing a coffee brand so if i can go two for two for projects i'm going to be done doing good hold up you developed a coffee brand yeah we have uh so chromatic gamut was uh is our like take on new york city and queer culture and the lgbt um and so we uh, as a queer person myself and my co uh project lead on that one was is also queer. We hired a team of entirely queer w- writers from all over the the alphabet as if you will um <laughs> and uh we completely designed uh New York City in our kind of like fantasy parody setting of america um from the ground up and one of the things that we wanted to do uh was like uh was was making an add-on that you could get that was coffee because one of one of the the funny because it's true stereotypes of of queer people is that we we are fueled by iced coffee in spite oh Uh, yes
2: you cannot go into starbucks without meeting at least twelve gay people (laughs) it's
1: so true um so it was kind of the perfect add-on and i got to help design the brand um as well as do the taste testing for the coffee um and like determine like what it uh what it would taste like and what we were trying to go for we wound up working with an incredible uh company called smugglers coffee uh, and they did an incredible job so we wound up making a great brew uh that is specifically designed for iced coffees
2: that is something I, I noticed that. at the kickstarter there seems to be a lot of like add-ons that i haven't seen before in places like yeah it's usual to have a couple more art whatever but you guys are having like cassette vinyl mm. records.
0: Mm, very much on the retro side of things.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um so because the origin of the kickstarter is from like a band uh, and music is such a big part of the game and the entire experience, um we wanted to have some stuff that appeal to audiophiles as well. So that's why we've got we've got cassettes and vinyls. Um the <laughs> the some of the options that you can get. I learned a lot about vinyls uh and like uh and audio and stuff for this Kickstarter. Um, some of the vinyl stuff looks really cool and I hope that we get to do that.
0: I'll say, I was say I did see the uh, vinyl and I must admit that hooked me immediately. I'm not a vinyl collector, but the idea of that just yeah, that is an incredible idea to have. For me it was the hoodie.
2: It's the like what was it? Rainbow thing. Yeah, the like uh, cyan and purple cthulhu design
1: on the hoodie uh i that like kind of uh celtic knot style cthulhu is so good
0: yeah i definitely had one of those added onto my uh backer list (laughs) so as we're on the kind of theme of kickstarter again is there any kind of future projects after cthulhu dreamt that are in the pipeline or anything in the murmuring i know obviously you're still developing dreamt as it were but is there anything hinted at
1: oh yeah we're pretty open uh one of action fiction's big things um when we were forming as a company properly is that we want to be as transparent as possible with people um and that's for several reasons um but like not the least of which we want people to be able to like see what we're doing and then replicate it if they want to you know what i mean um because there's a lot of mystery inside of this industry and we kind of want to like show that you can not shroud yourself in secrecy and still be successful Um, so the next Kickstarter that we have planned, uh, is for a board game called Goblin Cave. That's like, um, imagine League of Legends if it was actually fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's a stretch. uh, Oh, I know. (laughs) It's not that bad. It
2: is incredibly bad.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I have several friends who play League. I used to play back when it was, like, back in Season 2, um... I don't know anybody who plays League that likes League. <laughs> oh, so, for sure, yeah. Uh, the original, I must admit, I liked. That's that's the consensus. Uh, Can't stand it now. <laughs> that's my,
2: nostalgia talking, and you know it.
1: Um. Uh, so, Goblin Cave, uh, would be our next big thing, and that I'm very excited for that. That's like um, uh, the other way that we describe it is like a hero shooter, but it's a board game. Uh so uh, I can't wait to like actually talk about it That's um,
0: sim- <laughs> fair enough there's a lot of hush hush I can understand
1: it's not so much that there's hush, hush. it's more that like I just don't have the information for you uh, if uh, j- sure. if Jared was here he could tell you a lot more about it um, but that's uh, one of the projects that I have not actually really been involved with that's been going on for oh lord is it almost five years now Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it started off... I, I do know the origin of it, which is that it started off as, like, um, basically just a little game on a whiteboard in Adam Buffoni's, like, basement garage or whatever. Um, and then they turned it into, like, um, a really janky game you could play on Roll20. Um, and it just kind of evolved from there. And it was so much fun that it just kept growing and growing and growing. And now we've got, like... Um, i'm pretty sure uh on uh what is that tabletop simulator we still have the mod out where you can download the playtest game and we've got like little models for all of the characters and um, i think it's it's wild to see it grow that one is especially weird because it's almost done (laughs) so it's waiting it's basically waiting in the wings for uh cthulhu jump to finish up and then it's pretty much ready to go to kickstarter
0: you said you had a janky version on Roll20. I may have to see if we can
1: uh, acquire that. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll see if it's something that's available for download, and I'll get back to you on that one.
0: No, it's much appreciated. I suppose the only kind of other thing we really have to ask is, uh, at what point were you involved with the company in the kind of like the founding, as it were?
1: Uh, yeah, so the company was founded-founded Uh by Jaron, R.M. Johnson, Brad, uh, S.V. Richards, and then uh, CJ, whose last name escapes me. Um, so the three of them really, uh, they started the, uh, uh, the company together um, with the first Monsters of Merca book and that Kickstarter. And then I came in as a writer on Restaurants and Retail. Um, and then became the art director by accident. Um, and then after that Kickstarter wrapped, there were several people who had kind of become integral to making the, the, the company run. And so we reformed, um, as Action Fiction. And now there's like, I want to say nine people who are all kind of part of this. We, we are, we're basically a co-op. We're all, um, uh, as far as, like, weight and opinion and stuff goes, we're all equal partners.
0: That's a fair one. Uh, Jay, do you want to end it up with the final?
2: Yeah, sure. So, just... Let, uh... Might as well let people know where they can find you. The Discord and stuff.
1: Oh, yeah, you can find, uh you can find me at bag of Snails, uh on twitter you can find action fiction at action fiction on twitter we have links to our discord there um the discord is probably the best place to find us um uh, and like because we're more active there and you can see um whatever project it is that we're working on um and <laughs> uh occasionally see the, the the chaos uh that is our community yeah well
0: Thank you very much for your time so far, Snails. We look very much forward to the 15th, and uh, I believe that's all.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Anything you you would like to close out on? Uh, Nothing that I can think of other than it was a pleasure.
0: Well, thank you very much.